Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. church and the ministry has now become Warrior School, the road show. Maybe one day we can compete with the antique road show. I'm almost in that place in my life anyway of being an antique, so I can say that. Hallelujah. First, let me sum up a little thing, a couple of things about warrior culture from our first session. Churches and leaders who understand what God is doing in the earth in raising up a generation like this those are the churches and the leaders and the ministries are going to thrive and survive. If we embrace and begin to raise people up into their gifts, into their ministries, this is what God is breathing on right now. It is a time for extreme multiplication in the church. It's a time for growth. It's a time for prophetic and generational succession. And that's something that when you ask questions later, I can break some of these things down. I'm just going to have to move quickly. It's a time for an intergenerational movement, as we said before, that these are the hidden ones. And these warriors are not going to fit easily to a purely traditional church mode. They are round pegs that we're trying to fit in a square hole. And they're a little rough around the edges. Can I just give you an illustration? And this is going to, if this sounds crude, it's country boy type illustration, but it's going to be crystal to you. See, uh, if you have racehorses, you can have a stallion or you can have a gelding. That gelded horse is tamer. It's easier to the bridle. It doesn't rear and buck up and snort and try to bite you like a stallion will. But when it comes time to race, that stallion will run faster and that stallion can reproduce. So warriors are like that. They're a little rough. They'll cut you sometime. And they'll cut you with the sword of the Spirit. You have to be patient with one another. But I guarantee you, when it comes time to pray, they're the ones that are going to throw down. When it comes time to worship, they're going to be in the front worshiping. Hallelujah. When it comes time for somebody to reach down to the lowest of the low and into the nastiest of the nasty and pull somebody up out of death into life, that's who you want. So there is an uprising happening in the Valley of Dry Bones, purpose built by God, highly trained, mobile worship warriors, bold and decisive, multifaceted, and very tactical. All right, time for session two, rules of engagement. Rules of engagement. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. I'm going to go ahead and begin reading. You therefore, my son, Paul is giving instruction to Timothy, young pastor, his spiritual son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you don't hear suffer hardship preached very much these days. 
no soldier in active service, and we are called the army of God. How many of you know that? No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier, but also if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. We're talking about the rules of engagement. Later on in this same chapter, verse 11 through 13, it is a trustworthy statement. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we're faithful, faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So we're talking about a life of sacrifice. We're talking about he who endures to the end shall be saved. We're talking about an endurance race, an enduring fight, rules of engagement. That's what I'm going to share with you. means this. Here's the definition. A directive issued by a military authority controlling the use of and degree of force, especially specifying circumstances and limitations for engaging in combat. So a group of warriors need to know how to fight, need to understand protocol, they need to understand the rules of engagement. First Timothy, First Timothy not Second Timothy this time, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you are called and you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So I'm going to ask you all a couple of questions. Do you know what your mission parameters are? If you're a soldier and you have a mission from God, do you know what your mission parameters are? More about that in a second. What is your main objective? Jesus had a mission statement. He comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have someone who's going to read Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and verse 17 through 19. Come on up here right now. Jesus comes out of his wilderness survival training. And he says this in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him all throughout the region about. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, mm -hmm. to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. So our commander-in-chief, Jesus believes in being a liberator. Galatians 5.1 said, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. I pray for people with a sword that we call the freedom sword. And it represents the word of God, quick and powerful and sharp. More about that in just a second. But if we don't understand what Jesus is about, we're not going to understand what the church is supposed to be about. So the most, what are some of the most popular things that, are get, that have been preached in the last couple of decades? We've... We've heard a lot preached about, um, you turn on Christian television and you hear a lot of things like favor, blessings. You, you hear about stuff preached that make us feel happy and feel good about ourselves and all the good stuff that God does for us. And so people love to hear that God loves them and you should know that God loves you. We love to hear about the grace that's been afforded to us freely a gift from Christ, hallelujah, and we're so glad for that and the favor we can have. And you'll hear words like prosperity and that you can have wisdom and you can have 
all of those things are part of the gospel, and they're things that we should preach. It's just the thing about it is it's like we don't hear about some of the other stuff. But what's happened is people, <laughs> I'm totally getting off my notes right now. <laughs> this may turn into five hours instead of four hours. We like to hear about that stuff because it makes us feel better, and it's stuff that's coming to us. And, and people who are, in, I've, I've worked in Christian television and in Christian radio. And I know this from being a part of it and understanding how it works. Money comes in when you talk about that stuff. When you start talking about dying for Christ, people are like, uh, you talk about suffering for the cause of Christ. You could be martyred for the cause. They're like, uh, click. You know, I'd rather watch the Discovery Channel, you know, or Cooking Channel or something, anything but that. You, you don't talk about enduring hardship. I mean, uh, going into all the world and preaching the gospel uh, and that you need to pray more. What? I, you know, I pray like five minutes every day, every, every, every single day I pray five minutes, you know. And when, when you begin to talk about something that's going to cost you something, Instead of stuff coming your way. When we talk about gifts, everybody's going, I'm, I'm in the line for the gifts right here. Yeah, yeah, pray for me. I want gifts. Gifts, gifts, gifts. I'm going to be a prophet. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm going to travel all over the world for Jesus. All my, I'm going to be writing books for God. Oh, yeah, pray that on me. I want that book writing anointing. Oh, come on, y'all. Help me out here. Can I tell you what God's top priority is? We know what our priorities are. We want to be happy. We want to have three-bedroom house. We want to have 2.5 children. We want, well, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know, we, we want to have something to fiberglass to play with on the weekend. I mean, the, his, re, his priorities are not the things that we often preach about in the Word of God. God's priority is this, the redemption of mankind. He sent his son Jesus to be born into this world in a stable in a manger, not in Christus Shumpert Hospital. Not, not in, not in St. Francis Hospital. He was born in a manger. He lived on it. He walked among common people. He went and touched people's lives that many of us would be afraid to touch. He helped the adulterous woman. He helped lepers. Uh, he, he went to the tax collector. Most of us would be throwing rocks at the tax collector. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come to your house. That's what Jesus did. He was sent to redeem mankind, to buy us back from our sins. And so for God, God doesn't have a problem with people going on the mission field and spending their whole life and living in a grass hut if two people get saved. Because God is about redeeming mankind. So the way you value your life is not about how large your ministry is, but how obedient you are to the call of Christ. Are you with me? And we, and we teach the five-fold ministry because we believe in that and it's true and a lot of churches aren't even touching that or teaching that. But then we do that and people go, well, oh, I'm, not, I'm not a teacher, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet. And so then we start feeling like we won't let anybody get left out. So we'll just start calling everybody an evangelist and everybody's a preacher and everybody's a missionary. Oh, come on, y'all. Missionary so-and-so, come up and read the scripture. And everybody's got to have a title. What if you're just a soldier? What if you fight anonymously? What if the stuff that you do for God never makes the front page, is never on Facebook? Special Forces motto is De Oppresso Liber, and it means this, from an oppressed man to a free one. 
Remember, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. So our commission, Jesus' mission statement, he, we just got through reading out of Luke chapter 4. He's going to liberate those that are, that are abused and the captives are getting set free. And it's right out of Isaiah chapter 61 and the, uh, the uh, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, all those wonderful things. That's what Jesus did. He told us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the main objective. For the Son of Man, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those that were lost. So Satan is called our adversary. I'm going to start moving a little, a little bit more quickly here. Are y'all going to roll with me? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Our king comes to give life more abundantly. And this battle is about this. It's going on. It's about glory. Satan wants the glory that belongs to God. He's fighting to get that notoriety. He's fighting to get the glory. This battle is for glory. And that's why we can't begin to fight for our own personal glory. We fight to glorify God. When people, men or women, begin to read their own press clippings, and they're so enamored by their own image and their ministry that they have built then you begin to be on Satan's side. You begin to have enmity between you and God because now it becomes about you. The Apostle Paul's orders were, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. So there's a dark kingdom, a dark caliphate, and the command structure for us is to come against that. His command structure, we read in Ephesians 6, is, is, I preached on this while I was here for the revival, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, wickedness in high places. Okay, God's command structure, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, triune. After that, we see the fivefold ministry, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. The New Testament church was said to be built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Uh, and you and I are a generation of warrior priests. We're called to be soldiers and we're called to be priests. That's what the scripture says. So I just kind of put it together for you. We're warrior priests. You are born onto a battlefield. If you survive the first week of being a Christian, then you probably were following close behind somebody that's been a Christian at least a month. Am I right, kiddo? Yeah. Right? Right? It's just like, oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is Christianity. Are you a Christian? Can I? Can I yes, follow me as I follow Christ. Walk this way. Watch out for those minds right there. If you make it through the first week and through the first month, you're a seasoned vet. <laughs> see, when revival hits, see, if you were here the last night of the revival, we had babies casting out demons out of babies. It was like, Where's another garbage can? Run, quick, go grab. You know, God was just delivering and people are just, you know, and, and so you're literally, people are coming into the kingdom and they're saved and they have the power of God in their life and they don't know a whole lot, but they know enough to go, you come out of him right now. You come out of her right now. You don't need to be in there. That's bad. Just go ahead. Plead the blood of Jesus, baby. Come on. And we don't know what else to do. We're just speaking in tongues. We're just speaking in tongues. How do you load this... You know, let me shoot the word of God at you. I need more bullets. Turn into scripture quick. It's cool. It's fun to be in that instead of dead, dry church. 
Can I just say to you, get used to it. Revival is messy. Christianity is messy. It's ordered and structured in who we are, what we're supposed to do, but war is hell. It is. War is hell. So revival is messy. When you're pulling people out of darkness, when you're breaking chains, you're, uh, you're coming in, you're a liberator to liberate the oppressed. They're in jail, and there's something trying to keep them in jail that's, that's trying to stand there and keep you from getting in and breaking those bars open and rescuing, and you're sent there to do an extraction and a rescue because Jesus said it. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm here to liberate the oppressed and to set the captive free. And what I do and greater things shall you do because you're called to be my disciples. So we are a liberating force of freedom fighters. So you're going to suffer hardship with me. In every battle, in every war, there is a hardening process for soldiers. I said this a little earlier. I tend to trust people who have scars. People who have scars have been in a battle. I'm not just talking about emotional scars from your sin, but I'm talking about people who have been in the kingdom of God and you have been scarred doing the work of God. You were scarred doing the right thing. I trust those people more because I know that they're survivors than people who live this, what, they, what, the, what seems to be this pristine version of Christianity that's so watered down. And so they're so intimidated by anything that they would do for God. It's all about, I'm a little uh, lamb. Feed me milk, please. I, I like milk in a milkshake. <laughs> okay? But I, I'm at the place where I want some steak. The sword of the Spirit is perfect for cutting up steak. Hallelujah. So you have to learn protocol. You have to know when to fight and you have to know when to retreat. You have to learn how to stay on mission and not be easily distracted. You're not just fighting for yourself. You are fighting for your king and you are fighting for your comrade in arms. And it's leave no one behind on the battlefield. So you must be constantly looking up to your commander-in-chief and listening. And we're going to break that down in a little while. This is going to get deeper with each session. Loyalty and honor flows both up and down the command structure. If you wonder why soldiers salute one another. So you've got, you've got a commander from a general to a captain or to a lieutenant all saluting the same privates are saluting back up the line and they're saluting down the line because they're all showing honor to one another because they're all in the same army. It doesn't just flow one way. I gave this example before, but when King David was up in a cave looking down on Bethlehem where he was a little boy, he used to drink from that well at Bethlehem that cooled cool well and now the Philistine army had Bethlehem and he says to his mighty men of valor oh if I could just drink he's just thinking out loud I wish I could have a drink out of that well it's so hot up here and we're trapped up in this cave three of the mighty men of valor fight their way all the way down the hill one of them scoops up some water in a gob, but they fight their way all the way back up the hill. And in the overblown honor structure of the church today, that, uh, that guy would have just went, thank you, 
drank the water and threw the cup back behind him, not even said thank you to that person because you're just supposed to honor the big cheese. Can I say to you, honor one another. Honor people for their call. Honor people for their position and their office in God. But also, I need to honor the people who are working with me, who are serving under me. And then there are times I need to gird on the towel like Jesus did, and I need to wash their feet. So here's the balance of this. So have a protocol. Have a command structure. Have authority in place and honor that authority. But authority also needs to honor those that are working with them and flowing with them because they're the future leaders of the church. And sometimes you just need to take on yourself as Jesus did the form of a servant. So what we are doing right now is honor flows both ways. This is warrior culture. Honor flows both ways. We submit ourselves one to another. That's scripture. Submit yourself one to another in Christ. Love one another. Pray for one another. And become a servant leader. Jesus was a servant leader. If you are a servant leader, you never get puffed up. You never get too full of yourself. You never start thinking that I, I, I'm it. I'm the big cheese and don't you dare question anything. Can I tell you something? I surround myself with multiple levels of accountability. So the people who run with me in ministry have a right. I give them a right. I verbally said to you, you have a right to call me out on stuff. I ask you not to do it in public, but if, if, you, if you have something, I'll do it wrong. Unless I'm up there saying, worship Satan, you know, then you can tackle me, okay? In front of people, and you can even beat on me a little bit. I don't care. But I mean, but if, if I mess up, if I say something I shouldn't say, if I mess up a scripture, I didn't do it right, call me out on that. Talk to me about that. As a matter of fact, if you see somebody slipping into my life that's not right, that could pull me down, tell me about it. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to fall. I'm not, I don't have all the answers. And here's the thing. No one person can see the whole battlefield. You say, I've never heard about leadership like that. I used to do it the other way. And I, I found myself getting more and more puffed up as people, oh, your ministry is so amazing. Can we just run with you, Brother Bradford? When you pray for me and then you prophesy this over me, I found myself liking that stuff just a little too much. I found myself like, I'm talking about my journey. I'm talking about anybody else. I'm talking about my journey. I found myself liking that stuff a little bit too much and what people would say about me. So honor must flow both ways in this command structure. I'm talking about the rules of engagement. So you'll see generals saluting privates, and you'll see privates saluting the lieutenants and the captains. Are you understand what I'm saying? It flows up and down the ranks. Everybody recognizes and honors that person's position and values that person's position, and it's important, and you recognize who they are and how they function, and you flow under that authority protects you. Are you all understanding me so far? But honor flows both ways. I'm teaching this everywhere right now. It was a revelation for me that God gave me. Anybody getting anything out of this so far? In the church, we often talk about team building. Submit yourself to one another in love, and you will find a team like you've never had. It's not just title or rank. Rules of engagement continued. God wants us to advance the kingdom of God. We're to take ground. We're to hold ground. And then we're to move forward. How many of you have ever done that one step forward, two step back thing? So God wants you to take ground, hold what you've got, and then advance the kingdom of God. 
There will always be resistance. Satan will always fight you over your family. He will try to steal your ministry, your joy, and your testimony. This war is in three arenas, your mind, your body, and your spirit. That's the three battlefields. There's been some great books written about that. Right now, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Who did I give that? Hand him that microphone, please. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, and then we're going to break the verse down after he reads it. Everybody has a chance to turn. Matthew eleven twelve. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John the things which you hear and see. Did I give the wrong verse? That's 11, 11 12. I think I so. 11, okay, read 11, 12. <laughs> Forgive me. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent men take it by force. Thank you very much. Anybody here ever met somebody who had a problem with that verse? I've actually met people who had a problem with that verse. Because it didn't, it didn't really jive with the kinder, gentler Jesus that they wanted to have in their life. And yet here we see in the book of Matthew... <laughs> <laughs> that the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and violent men take it by force. What does that mean, Lord? I don't understand. Uh, we're not talking about Christians being cruel. We're not talking about them being judgmental or mean or critical. God hates that stuff. Don't do that. Don't be Pharisaic. It actually means this. The Greek word is biazzo. It means to force one's way in with a zeal and ardor that represents and resembles desperation, holy desperation. In other words, not a passive faith, but an active faith. Not a passive faith. I'm trying to make eye contact with everybody, but an active faith uh, and a faith that says, uh, I'm going to break in and do what God needs me to do because the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. Uh, then we need to return it with an equal force or a greater force uh, so that we can be overcomers. Say overcomers. We're talking about fighting effectively in the kingdom of God. Contenders contend. Jude chapter, uh, excuse, verse 3, he's only got one chapter, says, contend earnestly for the faith. Jude 3, contend earnestly for the faith. You know what a contender is? It's someone who's not a champion yet, has not overcome yet, but they are a seasoned fighter, whether it's boxer or MMA, whatever, or wrestler, however you want to place it. It's someone who is earnestly contending to rise up in the ranks uh, and to become who they were always intended and destined to be. Contenders get knocked down 999 times and they get up 1,000. Contenders keep getting up no matter what comes against them. Y'all still with me? Hallelujah. He wants you to possess your inheritance. That inheritance is for you. You were created to conquer. Who had Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 through 9? Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. Good, we finally get a lady's voice in here to read. Hallelujah. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. We're talking about possessing your inheritance. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Mm -hmm. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. 
Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which right. Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out mm -hmm, of thy mouth, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Wow. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, su good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Hallelujah. Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever so thou goest. Don't you just love that passage of Scripture? Thank you. You did a great job there. Be strong and be courageous. He was born for such a time as that. He was created to conquer. They had been wandering in the wilderness, and here's God encouraging him. And then the Lord says that in verse 8. This, he gives him that secret source of power. God's word in your spirit and in your mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You'll meditate on it day and night, that you're going to be careful to do all that's written in it, for then you're going to be prosperous, and then you're going to have success. Joshua, I'm giving you a new way to war. Here is the no-wimp zone right here. Be strong and be courageous. Go forth and conquer. I've given you this land. Now, later on in Joshua chapter 5, he says this. And my friend Jimmy Tate, prophetic guy, preached about this many, many years ago, and that one verse he, he used out of this just stuck in my mind. There's a place in Joshua chapter 5 where God speaks to Joshua and says, I want you to go make for yourself flint knives, and I want you to circumcise the children of Israel brand new, afresh. And please understand, an entire generation had passed away, and many of these had never been ceremonially circumcised, uh, representing their hearts belonging to God. It was really a circumcision of the heart, but they were actually circumcised. It was about separation unto God. It was about being distinctive. God was making them into pure warriors. Now, they had known God. Please get this. This is very key to where we're going. This is a transition point right here. They had known God as Jehovah. They had known God as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. He is with us. They had known God as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. And they had gone through the desert with God covering them with his glory and with his fire. And yet they were not prepared to take the land. Look at me. I'm fixing to bust you. You can be in a church full of fire and full of presence and full of worship and still be wandering in the desert and in the wilderness. Something had to happen to change them from wanderers to warriors. Now, I want you to understand, Joshua and, Joshua and Caleb raised up right along with them. The Bible said had a different spirit. They were raised up under the same fiery presence and glory. And they were ready to take the land. They saw it God's way. Something had to happen to change this group of people from wanderers to warriors. And it was a cutting away of the flesh. It was a circumcising of the heart. Are you following me so far? There has to be a cleansing to turn us from wilderness wanderers to promised warriors. And if you'll let God make you pure... God will trust you with great power. Talking about the rules of engagement, 
Let me tell you a story that many people in America do not know. Everybody here has heard about Desert Storm, Operation Desert Storm. We know what happened whenever Norman Schwarzkopf, our general, led us to take on Iraq and to go against Saddam Hussein. And we know about the coalition. Maybe what you don't know is that when our soldiers, both Air Force, Navy, and regular Army, Marines, were sent over there, one of the guys, who, the guy who was over all of our armed forces, over all of them, was General Norman Schwarzkopf. Here's what he told them. Because you're based out of a Muslim country and we're fighting along with these people against these other Muslims, but while we are here, I'm going to tell you something, fellas. I don't want you having any porn with you. They had been lax in places like Vietnam. They had been lax in other theaters. They said, we don't want any porn we don't want any drinking. We don't want any drugs. You're not going to go and sleep with the local women. I want you to hear me. All of you, men and women, I want you to keep it pure and keep it clean. Can I tell you what happened? It was the most decisive victory with the fewest losses in the history of war. Never had a battle been fought like that, and it was because of a separation from outside distractions and from sinful things and darkness uh, because they separate themselves, winner, winner, chicken dinner. They had a different spirit than other armed forces had had, and God honored it. In Numbers chapter 13, Caleb said, remember Joshua and Caleb knew that they could take the land. And Joshua and Caleb were the only ones who survived with their families to enter into the promised land of the original wanderers in the desert. And Caleb said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. So here's what I want to say to you before we wrap up this last session, this second session, rules of engagement. As the modern battlefield has become more dangerous, Tactics and strategy once only used by our special operatives and special forces are now being used by our regular military. We are now training, not only them, but even SWAT teams. We're training in close quarters combat now because combat has become more dangerous. It's become more urbanized. We're having to teach regular soldiers the stuff that only Marine Recon and only Delta Force and only Green Berets and only Navy SEALs and people like that used to know and Airborne Rangers. We are now having to teach some of those techniques even to regular soldiers because the modern battlefield has become so dangerous. Almost everybody, and maybe they don't rise to the level of those people and what they have to endure and go through, but can I just say to it right now, we need special forces Christians. If it's going to be the army of God, what I feel like God is telling me is to raise up special forces Christians. It means we're going to pray harder. We're going to dance longer. We're going to praise louder. Hallelujah. We're going to go where nobody else wants to go. We'll do what other people don't want to do, but we'll also see the results that they cannot achieve. We, we will overcome weariness. We'll overcome even though we've been wounded. We'll overcome even when we're alone. We'll overcome our own personal fears, and we will be victorious survivors and thrivers. So if you're going to possess the promises, so God gave me something to share with you at the very end of this session, and it's this. The first person ever killed by an IED, if they had survived it, could have easily used this excuse. I didn't know. Never heard of such a thing. 
So I'm going to say something to you that might shock you. Satan has a short time and he's very angry. That's what the Bible says. Hell is vomiting up things right now. And the church is experiencing attacks like we've never seen before. But we cannot use the excuse, I didn't know. We cannot use the excuse, nobody ever told me. God wants you to be ready, ready, ready. And in just a, in just a moment, when we come back for our third session after we break for lunch, we're about to dive deep into preparing you for this battlefield and preparing you to have a warrior culture that survives and thrives and takes the land successfully. God wants us to watch. He wants us to fight, and he wants us to pray. So I'm going to conclude with this question. And again, save your questions for our last session, and I will answer everybody's questions that has a question. That's one of the things that's different about this training day, special training day. Can I say to you, we are cramming like a month's worth of Wednesday nights or something into this one day, and this is going to be to your benefit. But can I ask you this? Can you be trusted in the heat of battle? Can you be trusted? We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.